Well, as you, uh, as you know, we've been in this series, Get Out of Jail Free, and uh, didn't, do the, didn't the staff do a great job on, on setting up the, the, the lighting and, <clears throat> and, all the, and all the props and stuff like that? And uh, just to review a little bit, you know, I, I, don't, uh, I don't always do illustrated sermons, but sometimes, you know, sometimes they kind of get the point across. But, you know, we started out uh, with breaking free, and that's what I preached on, and, and how, how our enemy, you know, uh, John 10.10, 10, it says the thief, talking about the, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, he, and he's wanting to do that to us, to us, each and every one of us. That's what, that's what his plan is. And how the devil, he starts out with just... It might even be legal, like drinking, you know, that, it could be even be legal. You know, it might be even, it might even look good. And I mentioned, you know, even all the athletes, they advertise drinking. I mean, how bad can it be, right? It's legal, right? Right? But, uh, but then there's, you know, there's other things that we know is not right, but we don't think that they'll ever get us, but, you know, they do. And then the next thing you know, we are burdened down with such heavy sin and, and, uh, and, and addiction that, we just cannot get free on our own, and uh, so. And then, then, we, then I talked about uh, about the yoke, about a yoke, and and we had this this illustration. Uh, Sister Kay brought this in, and, and and the scripture tells us Jesus says that my yoke is easy, and I've heard uh, uh, my buddy Bear. I've heard him say time and time again, and it's scriptural. Not everything he says is scriptural, but, <laughs> but, uh, but this thing is scriptural. He says it's real simple. We're either following the devil or we're following God. And honestly, there is no in-between. It's, it's, it's one or the other. And Jesus says that his yoke is easy. So basically, this is a yoke that Jesus was talking about when he was talking about that. And basically, you know, the, the animal's head goes in there. And, uh, but what we don't see is, here is that, so like our individual's head would go in there. Well, then there's somebody back here that's guiding and directing. Well, see, the, the devil wants to guide us and direct us into death, into theft, and all kinds of division and anger and strife and all of that stuff. The devil would love for you to have some of these heaviest chains around your neck for your entire life. The devil would love for your children not to know that you love them. The devil would love for your grandchildren to not even know who you are. The devil would love for you to be divorced, separated. The devil would love for you to lose your home and lose anything positive you got in your life. The devil would love for you to lose that. And that's what happens when we, when we follow him, we have this yoke upon us because we have chosen to follow him and we have this yoke upon us and he's back there driving and we, and we, uh, we're just following him. If he says, go over here and, and do, you know what? Well, that's what we do. And if he says, go over there, but Jesus said, he said, but my yoke is easy. And I, and I mentioned to you that, that the yoke of Christ he wants to lead us over here where peace is. Amen. And he wants to lead us over here where love is. Yeah, right. 
And he wants to lead us over here where we have a happy marriage. And he wants to lead us to where we'll teach our children to love the Lord. And hopefully, they will miss a lot of the stuff that we went through. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. Amen. So the devil's yoke is heavy and burdensome. And he don't care what you think about it. But Jesus' yoke is easy. It's light. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the cost of freedom. The cost of freedom. Ori, thank you for the water, buddy. Amen, Ori. Hey, can I, can I read you a, a message that he sent me this morning? I, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to now. You know why? Because I've got the microphone. Okay, I was pulling out, this is at 7.50 this morning, I was pulling out of the driveway, and Ori texts me. He says, God, we thank you for my dad, and I thank you, Lord, that he's going to preach the word and help him have fun in your name. Yeah. You know, when you read something like that, you know, I just feel like I can conquer the world, man. I'm, bring on, you know, bring it on, you know. But today we're talking about the cost of, cost of freedom. And, uh, you know, in America today, we enjoy so many freedoms. You know, we're able to come here and uh, worship God and uh, just go about the country as we wish you know, whether we worship the one true God is really not the point. The point is that we are free. Of course, we know about the one true God, and that's who we worship. But you know, there's other people across the country that don't worship the one true God, but they're free to do that also. You know, we're free to have as many kids as we want to have. You know, we're free to, to if we want to go on vacation, or if we want to have 10 kids, or 20 kids, or you know, start a TV show, we can do all of that because we are free. We're free to buy and sell. We can do all of those things. But here's the thing. Freedom is not free. You know, there are individuals, and most of you know individuals, that have given their life in service, and some have given their life their physical life, so that we could be free. You know, we, we, I just, a few, just to name a few here at the church, Kevin and Teresa Lowe, Lowe's son, Jamie Lowe, he gave his life for our freedoms this morning. Amen. Greg Shell's wife, Becky. Becky, raise your hand real quick. Her son, Michael Bartley, he gave his life standing for a great cause, and that cause was our freedom. Now, it didn't cost you nothing. It cost Becky something. It cost Michael something. It cost Kevin and Teresa something, and their son Jamie something. Gary and Cheryl Kleibecker, their son Nicholas, he gave his life so that we could be free. So we all know individuals that have given their time and possibly even their lives, so that we could be free. So freedom is not free. Let me tell you this. 
Oh, I don't know if I should go there. Oh, let's go there. If you get something free from the government, it is not free. Okay? That felt so good, I think I'll say it again. If you get something free from the government, it is not free. There's some, there's some hardworking, proud American that is working and paying their taxes so that you could have something free. Amen. 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 Now, in that same scenario, you know, the Scripture tells us, it tells us that our salvation is a free gift from God. Amen. You mean to read it to you? Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages, uh, I'll, let me, I'll change that wording just a little bit. The cost, what it costs us when we do wrong is death. And that's talking about spiritual death, and it ends up in the natural, but it's talking about spiritual. So what it's saying there, that when we do wrong, it separates us from God. Because God is the giver of life. Amen. He's all good. He's all powerful. He, he's all love. He's all life. There is no darkness in him, right? That's right. There is no darkness in him. But, but when we sin, that separates us from him. All right? So the scripture says, Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. But then it says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So see, that very plainly says that it's a free gift for, for all who call upon Christ Jesus. No matter where you was born, no matter what your last name is, no matter who your mom and dad is, it's a free gift. He says, just come and take it. It's yours. You can have it. And it's a free gift. The scripture says it's a free gift. But it costs God his son. And I don't know, God's love has to be uncomprehendable to you and I. So just imagine, here was God in heaven, and here was his son at his right hand. And God told his son, or asked his son, will you go to this God-forsaken world, this fallen world called earth, and will you give your life and pay, your, pay the price so that they may all live. And Jesus agreed to that. In fact, the scripture says, while Jesus was on the cross, he could have called a legion of angels to come and put, take him down. But he didn't. He stayed right there. Not only that, of course, I'm sure you have heard, he was nailed to the cross but if anybody knows very much at all, if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know of the love of Christ. And really, it wasn't the nails that held him on that cross. It was his love for you. Yes. Amen. It's true. So, not only did it cost our freedom, this freedom to be a child of God, not only did it cost God his son, but it also cost Jesus his life. He was beaten until he was unrecognizable. 
And still he didn't call out for help. So our salvation is free to us, but it wasn't free to God. Can you agree with that? Now, now let me ask you this. I'm going to tell you about a couple of different uh, examples in the Word of God. And then I want you to think about, and then we're going to talk about the little cards that you attached or I hope you attached a name to. And I'm going to tell you briefly uh, about in Mark 2.1, and this was the... This is a story about the three friends, and they put their crippled friend on a stretcher, and they tried to get to the house where Jesus was. They could not get there. The house was full. There was no way in. So they carried him up on top of the roof, and as you would expect, when you're on top of a roof, there's no way to get in the house because you are on top of the roof, right? So they had to peel away the layers. Of course, I don't know if they could get through shingles or not, but whatever the case may be, in that day, they peeled away the layers and lowered their crippled friend down into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus healed him. Now, I want to share a scripture with you. Mark 2. Verse 5, and Jesus said, when Jesus, or this is, what this, this, uh, this is what Mark said, when Jesus saw the faith of these people, and I've, and I've researched that, and every translation either says these people or their faith, every one of them. And, and I've, I've seen this several months ago, and very simply, it wasn't just the crippled man laying there before him. It wasn't just his faith that made him whole. Where would that man have been, the crippled man? Where would he be if it wasn't for the faith of his friends that carried him up on that roof and lowered him through the roof in the presence of Jesus? Where would that man be? He would still be at home. He would still be on his on his, uh, on his bed, unable to move. But because of the faith of his friends that thought if we can just get him in the presence of Jesus, they carried him up and dropped him down through the roof and Jesus healed him. And all the scripture says, Jesus saw these people faith or some translations say, Jesus saw their faith. You know what that tells me? And there's another scripture. There's another scripture in Numbers 14. I, I referenced this here a, a month or two ago. And this is whenever God was so mad at his chosen people. He was so mad at the children of Israel because they would not listen to him. He tried to lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey. He was trying to lead them into prosperity, and they would not follow him. They was rebellious and would not listen to what God had to say. And God finally says, and you know God's really mad when he says, I think I'm just going to wipe them all out and start over. Now, you know you've done something wrong. I hope you have never heard that. So, but anyway, so that's what God says in Numbers 14. You can read it for yourself. God says, I'm just going to wipe them out. They're a bunch of rebellious people. I'm going to wipe them out, and I'm going to start over. But you know what happened? Moses prayed. And Moses said, 
Moses said, have mercy on them, Lord. Have mercy on them. Don't do that. We can, we can do it. Have mercy on them, Lord. And you know what God done? He listened to Moses' prayer. So here's my, here's my, uh, here's my point today. Do you have faith inside of you to help someone get to the feet of Jesus? Will you do what it takes to get someone? I'm not saying they deserve it, but do you have someone that takes around you? Do you have enough faith inside of you to encourage them to come into the presence of Jesus? Come into the presence of God and let God speak to them? Come on now. Here's my point. If those cards that we had last week, when we exited last week, I told you to attach a name or a family. Does anybody remember that? Three people remembered about that. <laughs> there was 500 here and three people remembered it. I'm going to have to do work on my presentation or something. But anyway, I asked you last week to just put a name to that and then pray for them. That's what I asked you to do. Well, let me tell you, your prayers mean something. Amen. Amen. Moses' prayer kept the children of Israel from being destroyed. Amen. These, These friends, these friends of the crippled man, because of their faith, they got him in front of Jesus in Jesus' presence, and he was healed. So what can you do? Who do you know? Do they need a ride to work or a ride to, ride to church? Do they need some encouragement? Do they need a job? Do they need to hear about Jesus? What do they need? Those around you. You, got, you just have sinners all around you. You have sinners all around you! We are called to reach those sinners with the gospel, with good news. See, it's good news. It's good news. Hey, I got good news for you. What's that? God loves you. Hey, I got good news for you. I go to a church that's alive. Amen. 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 I shared with you a few weeks ago, I, ta- I, I was talking to a guy, and he said, well, they're pretty much all the same. I said, no, they're not. <laughs> but see, we got we to reach out. Yeah. Did you never wonder, I'm sure you have, why we are called the body of Christ? Have you ever wondered that? Because when God wants something done, when he wants someone ministered to or blessed, he says, hey, body. Go talk to them. Hey, body, invite them. Hey, body, give them a job. Hey, body, go pick them up and take them to church. Hey, body, the least you can do is tell them that God loves them. Amen. We're the body. We're supposed to move. Move in a, in a lost and a dying world. We're supposed to move. But see, here's the problem. You know, the scripture tells us, don't grow weary in well-doing. Isn't that right? And sometimes when we help, when we help young Christians, it's messy. It's, it can be dirty. You know, but you know, hey, tell me raising babies is not dirty. 
tell me raising babies isn't messy. How many, uh, who in here has changed the most diapers in their life? If you think you have a chance, raise your hand. How many kids you got? Three and five. Who can beat that? How many you got? You work nursing. <laughs> Woo! I don't know if I don't know if anybody can beat that or not. Any anybody else? Who's got 19 kids and counting? Who's got that many? Anybody? Are the Duggars not here today? Anybody else? Who's got the most kids? Raise your hand if you got five. There's five back there. Steve's got five. Anybody got six? There's five. Anybody got six? You know, I, I looked it up and they said that the, uh, who else? Who's got more than that? You got six? How many? Six? Ten. Ten. <laughs> Man, don't let the uh, Discovery Channel find out about that. They'll be on there for sure. <clears throat> Okay, I, I looked it up, and they say the, the average baby, whatever the average, average is, will go through 5,000 diapers in their, in their, in their babyhood. 5,000. You know, that is a lot of poopy diapers right there. So 5,000 times five or six, that's a lot of poopy diapers. So here's, here's what we're going to do. I've got some diapers here, and I've got some real dirty ones. And we're going to vote on the dirtiest one, okay? No, not, not really. <laughs> not really. <clears throat> okay, here's my point. Raising babies is dirty. <clears throat> they, will, they will poop their pants. They will spit up on you. Oh, my goodness. They'll do all that stuff. You know, there's some days they will act like they don't like you at all. Isn't that right? They will. And then sometimes even when they get a little bit older, you think, I haven't taught them nothing. They haven't learned anything I've tried to teach them, right? They will act like that. You know, I had a... <clears throat> I had a friend, I don't know if this joke is good or not. Well, it's not a joke, it's a true story. This, I had a friend and uh, he was, uh, his son was out there disking the field and he was watching him, son, watching him disc and he brought the disc around and he caught it on a corner post of a fence and, uh, and those posts were just popping out of the ground like popsicles. They just pop, 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 pop and he just shook his head and he said, I should go slap his mama. And, and, and then he said, that kid can't be mine. <laughs> My point is, raising kids is messy. Now, why would we be surprised when we raise and try to help and try to mature baby Christians? Why would we think it would be any different? They're going to make mistakes. They're going to do stupid things. They're going, to, they're, they're going to let you down a lot of the time. 
But just like that little baby, baby child, we can't give up on them. No. And really, you know, it's just not fair to expect a little baby to act full grown up. And it's the same way. It's the same way with baby Christians. We cannot expect them to act like a complete, mature a Christian that knows the Word of God. We cannot expect them to act like that. Amen. So what I'm telling you this morning is put on your big boy panties and get to work. Change a few diapers of some baby Christians. Amen. Amen. It will not hurt you. It will wash off. Yes, you'll be extremely aggravated. Yes, you'll be ready to quit. But see, that, that's, see when you do that, oh, my goodness. When, when you humble yourself and you tr- share the Word of God and you try to help baby Christmas, God is so proud of you. Oh, He's so proud of you. And He's thinking, look at the price that they're paying so that this one could be free. Amen. See, there's a cost to freedom. It cost. My freedom was free, but it has cost me to help set others free. It's cost me. And it'll cost you to set others free also. Amen. Uh, I, no. <laughs> no, I, I, I had if, for, for, for those that, those that didn't, didn't hear he wanted to know what the age limit for cutting them off. But now here's the thing. Now this is kind of getting away. But here's the thing. There's a difference in loving them and enabling them. There's a difference. Sometimes we have to have tough love. Sometimes we have to say enough is enough. But not that we quit loving them. In fact, we read that this morning in the, in the baptismal class. The scripture says in Romans, it says, while, while every one of us, if you're in the here this morning, God loved you even when you was a sinner. So in other words, to answer your question, we love them even if they're 99. We still love them, but we cannot enable them. What all we do when we enable, we just allow them to get out of a tough situation and they squirm out of it and they did and all they do is get into another tough situation and we help them squirm out of it and another tough situation, we help them squirm out of it and they don't see any need because in their eyes, they've got out of all these things and they're fine. I know it don't make no sense, but I've been there and done that and I, and I know how. I know how they think. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If, if you, we, we can talk about it after, after church if you'd like to. But there's help. There's help here. Yeah. There is. You know, there's a, uh, there's a reference in the gospel where Jesus came to a Pharisee's house. And it, and it don't give a whole lot of details uh, about this situation. But Jesus came into a Pharisee's house, and he did not believe in that Jesus was the Messiah. He was a Pharisee. 
But the Pharisee had, had a lady uh, uh, that worked for him, a servant that worked for him. And when she got in the presence of Jesus, nobody had to tell her who he was. God showed her who he was. Amen. Glory to God. See, sometimes we, th we get our part and God's part mixed up. We don't have to prove who God is to nobody. We just got to get them in a situation where God can speak to them. We got to get their minds clean enough, long enough, so they can understand, hey, that's God. Amen. We don't have to prove nothing to nobody. My goodness. I'm here, uh, I don't know, maybe here in a couple weeks I'm going to preach an apologetic sermon. Me and Gary Rayburn, we was going to Cowboy Church one night, and we stopped at McLeansboro to pick up another guy. And there was a guy standing there, and, and uh, we both started witnessing to him and gave him a CD, and, and uh, he, had a, he had his grandson with him. And uh, the older guy said, oh, I'm, I'm way too educated for that. That was his exact words. Let me tell you, if you're educated here this morning, that man didn't know what he was talking about. Because the Bible, see, they have, they, have, uh, they have standards that they judge history by. They have standards all the way from eyewitness to written text to where it fits. You know, they have these standards. If there's any history majors here, you just know far more about, than, more about than I do. But they have these standards for historical texts and historical events. And let me tell you, the, the Bible passes Every one of them. We don't have to prove that God's alive. We don't have to prove that the Bible is who he says he is. What we have to do is bring him in here. And then his spirit, the Holy Ghost, will speak to him. Glory to God. Man. That's what God wants. That's his heart. Years ago, I heard Pastor Mark say that you know that God's heart beats people, 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 people. And that will never change. It'll never change. You cannot outdrink God's love. You cannot outsnort it. You can't outsmoke it. You can't outshoot it up. You can't go to the website too many times. There's nothing you can do to outrun the love of God. Nothing you can do. So you might as well just give up and let him love you. Amen. Amen. That's what I finally did. That's what, that's what many, many of you here finally did. If you have a need this morning, please come. Come to the altar of Christ. Come and we'll pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Come and receive him as your Lord and Savior. If you've got a if you've got one of these yokes around your neck this morning and the devil's been dragging you from one bad situation to another, Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And then he says, my burden is light. Please come. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com 
or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.